<laughs> it makes me want garlic bread and it's just the whole thing is just wrong the whole thing is wrong I shouldn't want garlic bread when talking about Italy or Italians or Billy or anything it's just ah everything's broken anyway um <laughs> Welcome to Crime by the Bar. Yes, welcome. Uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm Anna. And I'm Charlie. We have a very special guest this evening. Mm-hmm. I guess that's me. <laughs> first, I mean, world premiere guest, first guest. Yeah, it's... Not sure if it's of a, many, but... No, I Technically don't. not my premiere. I no, was... you, you make <laughs> us drinks regularly. You run around in the background. I supervise the cow here. Yeah, you do. Mm. You take care of the cat and whenever... you were the surrogate cat for one evening. Yeah, but we had to cut all that. Did we get all of it, though? I don't know. I think there was a little bit left. There might have been a little bit. Yeah. yeah. There was an awful lot that had to be cut. Um, so, well, you say see, had to be cut. but It, it had to be cut. Oh. We can't keep him away this evening, so um, we decided to include him. I've been given a special pass for today. <laughs> as long as your piece is kept brief, leave them wanting more, it's fine. Probably. I don't know. Um, yeah, so we do have an extra voice, and... Um, with voices come crimes. So Charlie will be presenting his very own crime as well. Yeah, so now comes the the big debate of who has the worst crime this week. Mm. So mine is pretty bad and it's South African crime. Oh. I, I My instinct is I'm worse. I'm worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I don't have that much of a reference for South African crime besides what you've already told us before in it's, the Van Breda murder. And uh, I think it's that worse. was pretty harsh. Yeah, I think it's worse than Van Breda. Uh, okay. Well, it's a different kind of worse. I think overall it's worse. Hmm. I think we need a, a traveling to trunk scale. Like. Traveling to trunk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that. Um, uh, it's uh, trunk to the par of 10. <laughs> That's a lot of trunk. It's a lot of trunk. <laughs> So it did suggest uh, <laughs> so much trunk. Um, we, we've been toying with the ideas of a scale definitely involving traveling somewhere as some kind of benchmark. Yeah. I don't remember if I told you or not, possibly off the mic, but uh, I was thinking basically having two scales, one for the gore and the oh. horror and one for like the humanity and the sadness, okay. etc. Um, Mine is low on gore and high on humanity. I mean, uh, like... If we're doing it that way, it's awful in terms of humanity. Hmm. There would be a lot of like, the humanity. Uh, Mine is, I think you sound worse. Mine is very low on gore, but it's not too happy. And it, I was considering that to be a spoiler, but no, let's just say that um, as a warning, it does end on a bit of a bummer, but it is crime after all. Okay. Charlie, what is your crime like this week? Uh, super vanilla, you know. I didn't want to go too dark Ooh. and too deep on the the first outing, you know. Just I'm I'm out there in a little paddle boat as opposed to going into the uh, Titanic <laughs> side of things. Okay, I'm I'm glad. Then I think me, you. Yep, Anna, me, and then Charlie. Okay, cool. That sounds like a plan. Okay, um, should we begin? 
I mean, we have an extra guest. There will probably be more uh, talking back and forth, and we have an extra crime. So yeah, eh, less need for the preamble. And he likes to interrupt a lot. So, uh. <laughs> um, so my crime is from 1986. Okay. Have you heard of? Have either of you heard of the Station Strangler? No. Station? Mm. Are we talking trains or...? Trains. Of course trains. Mm. Always trains. As opposed to the strangler who doesn't move too much. (laughs) I don't know if that's terrible or brilliant. (laughs) Not both. (laughs) Yeah, okay, both. Um, Okay, great. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's going to be a long evening. Yep. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Anyway, enough of, of how funny I am. <laughs> yes, uh, station strangler, is it? Station strangler. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to bring you back. It's the 27th of August, 1986, South Africa, Bloemfontein. There's two kids, 10 years old. Wayne Peterson and his friend are approached by a stranger just outside a train station. The stranger asks for help carrying banana boxes and offers them 10 rand each to help them, which for a 10 year old, it's, you know, it's a decent amount of money. Mm. The guy says his name or his nickname is House, like Dutch Afrikaans word, House. Yeah. And the guy was described by the kids as a stocky black man with scars that looked like scratch marks um, on one cheek. And he had short, dark hair, a long, sharp nose, large eyes and thick lips. Mm. Um, the boys asked where the boxes were and the the man was just like a little further, a little further um, and ended up luring them into bushes near the Filippi. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but anyway, there's a lot of names in this. Um, at some point during the, the walk, the man dropped back and was was basically just following them through the bushes. And uh, Wayne says, before we knew it, there was a rope tied around our necks. He'd thrown it over us from the back and he choked us. We couldn't breathe. He told us to continue walking or he would kill us. I thought I was going to die. So they finally stopped near a tree and the two boys were still roped together. The man... Yeah, just as a point of yeah. clarifying the imagery, but yeah. so it was just one rope and he was mm-hmm. holding both of the boys together. Oh. Isn't that horrible? Kind of is, yeah. Do you understand why I thought I was worse this week? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you have already convinced me, that's fine. It doesn't get any better. Mm. They are roped together. Um, the man has the other end of the rope in his hands and I'll spare you the gory details, but he ends up raping both of them. Mm. Wayne said that um, the man spoke fluent Afrikaans and then led them to an informal settlement near Felipe. He said he came to the area and people knew him, so he had to speak the language now. And um, yeah, then he sexually assaulted them again and fell asleep. And the boys then managed to get out of the rope Hmm. and and escape. Um, They find their way home and... Their parents took them to a police station, but the officer was a bit sort of awkward dealing with the whole thing because, you know, there's nothing more embarrassing than being a policeman dealing with an awful crime. Yeah, yeah, Um, But, yeah, the the police drove to the settlement. They directed them to where it was. Mm -hmm. But due to, well, what was going on in South Africa in the 80s, the police wouldn't get out of the car. So they pointed to to where they thought it was, but they wouldn't get out and they wouldn't actually do anything. Um, So a large part of that was, of course, well, everything that was going on, which we'll just call political unrest. um, Mm. And they didn't want to kick up a fuss. To this day, 
nothing has actually been done about this crime. Um, and it may or may not be related to what became known as the station strangler. It sounds like it would fit. But... It sounds like it would fit. It sounds like the first crime in quite a long spree. Hmm. It was a month later, it was the 3rd of September, when Jonathan Clisson, who was 14, so a couple of years older than them, mm-hmm. um, went missing near Motterdam Station in Belleville South. He was found in October 1986, so this was a good month and a half, two months after um, this incident had happened. Mm-hmm. And he was buried in a shallow grave with his hands tied behind his back. Um, he was found in the dunes and he'd also been sodomized. There were another nine bodies that were found between 86 and 92. Oh, okay. Yeah. All of them were between 8 and 15. The next one that um, I have some more information on is a 14-year-old found in January 1987. He was Yusuf Hoffman. He was found in bushes near a sewage plant, um, also in Mitchell's Plain. There were another six bodies also found that year. Damn, that's a lot. Just keeps piling up. Yeah. There was the body of Freddie Cleves. He was discovered in a ditch. And then in August, there was... So that was in June. By August, they found um, Samuel Nakaba, who was 15 and found in bushes again near the train station at Belleville South. Um, there was an unidentified boy, age 15, who was also found near the Motterdam station. In 1988, there was only one body found. That was Calvin Spire. He was found in a field near the University of the Western Cape in Belleville South. Then there was a break for about four years and they found Jacobus Lau, 10, who was also found in the dunes. So by January 1994, things are bad. There are 11 bodies discovered in the so-called killing fields on the outskirts of Mitchell's Plain. Um, The first was an unidentified man. We don't really know what age he was or anything else. Mm -hmm. Next, there was a 10-year-old called Alino Sprinkle, which does sound made up, but it is definitely not. Um, He was found in a field next to a shopping centre. Then there was... Jeremy Benjamin, who was 12, and Donovan Schwartz, who was also 12. And on January 27th, in one day, they find six bodies. So they find Fabian Wilmore, who was eight, Owen Hoffman, who was 10, and Neville Samai, who was 14, as well as Marcellino, sorry, Marcellino Cupido, hmm. nine, Elroy Van Herden, nine, and a final unidentified boy. There are quite a few unidentified victims. But this was all, you said, like the killing fields, as in uh, multiple fields or just one field? It's it's what they call an area. There's there's actually not a lot there. Oh, okay. It was called that before the discovery? Or... Yeah, I think so, because there were a lot of oh. gang killings as well. That's the crazy <laughs> thing about South Africa. They don't have that many yeah. traditional serial killers. You have a lot of violence, mm. but... Yeah, they there's some crazy stat, like 50 people a day get murdered there. Hmm. 50 people. They yeah. don't have that big a population. Surely that's dropped in recent years, though. I thought they'd calmed down a lot since they weren't... Uh, and I know in the old days they were very, very bad for that, but... No, this is, like, still... It's still really high. Um, how many is it? South Africa. But, uh, yeah, you said the like gang killings and stuff like that as well. What kind of... You said one of the first ones you listed now was mm-hmm. basically adult male. Yeah. But was the motive... Uh, no, sorry, not the motive. Was the... Um, MO different? MO. No, everything oh. was the same. Huh. Definitely connected. Okay, so definitely. Which is quite that. strange. Hmm. 
that's a huge change from 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 boys of a young age to a, a fully grown adult. But this is going. Um, I mean, how many years later is this? Six years? Seven years? Hmm. We had the four year break, but still, like that's that's not. I mean, considering the amount of victims, is it that he was incarcerated or something? Or is it that they just didn't find the bodies? I mean, considering they're shallow graves, you'd think there would be some note if, um, yeah. See, the four-year gap to me says, like, he was incarcerated or he was in in some situation he could not do the thing he normally does, as opposed to... Like he just went ah let's let's leave it for a while. Yeah, exactly. You it doesn't seem like the sort of thing you could switch on and off. If you're doing this, you're doing it for a reason. And whether it's compulsion or a obsession or whatever else, mm. if you could control it, you know. That's the next thing I want to ask is is do they have a suspect and do they have a suspect oh, who was incarcerated for four years? This isn't a mystery, so <laughs> we do have a conviction in this. However, it would have been a good candidate for a mystery for other reasons. Mm, so I think I could smell um, some of them. I, I don't have any suspects um, who were incarcerated for four years. No, um, that's point number one, I guess. Okay, so we have the final unidentified boy. Yeah, it is weird that he had, there was a man in there as well. Like, that is super weird. I guess mm. I hadn't thought about it too much. Like, your Russian ones, mm-hmm. whenever you had um, them going for, if you like, easy targets, you know, yeah, people yeah. in compromised situations, so people who are inebriated, um, the elderly, the young, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't seem to be like that. But also, I find it really crazy that he actually took two people at once. So, um, yeah, later on, there were... Yeah. Um, for for the older man, and as you say, the two people at once, that... that Christ to me circumstance I feel he's more circumstantial than he is like thought out beforehand because yeah maybe maybe the the older man was protecting someone or maybe he came to a house they didn't expect that you know oh that's so creepy oh what if someone like because okay so assuming the first um two boys were related to all Mm. of this which I'm pretty convinced they are and a lot of people are convinced they are Mm -hmm. those kids were brought back to his place or at least somewhere that you know was livable where he's speaking to people and they see him. So someone probably does know something. What if he took one of their kids? Oh, that's awful. And they didn't identify him either. So it's not like you can even use that as a lead, which is quite sad. I'm always so shocked by the unidentified ones. Yeah. Like people with, you know, say a 10 year old kid missing and you never know what happened. Mm. Have you ever seen any of those um, Jane and John Doe projects? Picture and picture and picture um, of like, either people who've gone missing and um, they're hoping someone will show up that's, you know, that's potentially them, yeah. um, but also reconstructions of uh, bodies that have been found and so descriptions. It's, so it's basically a big collage of uh, people's faces that, that they hope someone will recognise someone from? Yeah, I mean, they don't usually do it as a collage, so there's websites dedicated to it and there's also, um, like, various organisations who share pictures. But, yeah, there are a lot of databases where you can essentially either search for um okay i'm looking for a male between 15 and 25 who you know is this ethnicity this hairstyle tattoo here piercing here whatever um and see if you can track down your missing person like someone that you loved the really one of the most interesting cases of it was uh the grateful dead guy oh, right. do you yeah. remember that that was crazy mm. um so I think I probably spoke to both of you about it separately, I imagine. But mm. the gist of it is um, this guy was killed in a car accident. Mm. The driver was identified pretty quickly. He wasn't. Um, the 
it was assumed that the driver picked him up as a hitchhiker and he was known as the Grateful Doe because he was wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt. <laughs> and um, he he wasn't wearing a seatbelt, so he was pretty badly disfigured and died, you know, at impact, essentially. Mm. But they, they did try to reconstruct what he would have looked at like and um, it, he had a couple of... Uh, home done tattoos and everything else there was this massive campaign i think it was either reddit or imager or something like that that um people people ended up tracking him down like something like 15 years later he had basically nothing on him he one of the few things he had was a note saying oh what was his first name i can't remember but basically hi so and so it was really great to meet you at the concert and mm. da, 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 here's my number, Caroline. And the, the number didn't have an area code and they never tracked down uh, Caroline. And the other thing he had was Grateful Dead tickets. All these years later, when they finally identified him, his his parents said, yeah, he decided to just leave home and go on a, a sort of road trip to follow the Grateful Dead around on tour. Mm. And it never occurred to them that something bad had happened because, yeah, it, it seemed like the sort of thing. The, the crazy thing to me is the fact that after a, a year of not hearing from this guy or a couple of years, they just accepted that, ah, he's gone now, that's it, that's mm. the end of it. Yeah. Never once did they think that maybe we should try and reach out or maybe there's something more than that. They just, the guy vanished. But I think this happened in the 80s. So, like, whenever, you know, you don't have cell phones, you don't have a forwarding yeah. address, you have a, a surfer kid who has always been a bit um, a bit of a maverick and has, you know, tattoos that he's done himself and, and stuff like that. Okay, yes, I completely agree with you. Why wouldn't you think? But, you know, if it fits with someone's personality, fair enough. Like, I mean, we talk about some friends of ours. If they disappeared, then... I can I can accept like the 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 fact that yeah you you can expect to not hear from them but they actually filed a missing persons report. They didn't actually file a missing persons report until after they'd right. identified him. After he was found. Yeah. I remember when you told me that it sounded so weird like Yeah. They confirmed everything and yeah. Why? Is, is that bureaucratic must or something? I don't know. I guess um Maybe it looks super suspicious if they don't at that point. I think it looks more suspicious that they did. I but, don't know. Uh, I don't know. This is our dead son, who is also missing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad they identified him, but isn't that crazy? It is. Um, it is. If you check out the, I think it's Imager post, whatever it was. Um, yeah, it was. Um, let's identify the Grateful Dead or something. Um, but... I think that's really, I don't want to say really cool, but I think being able to crowdsource a, yeah. a solution to, to problems is, is really great, but For also sure. that then problem being a dead person. Not great, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, there was someone who said, hey, it looks like my old friend, da-da-da-da-da. Um, and then they tried to get in touch with him, so it was an old friend who ended up connecting the dots, I think, in the end. But mm. there, there's some really good... The, the original post is still up there, and they still have um, the a website connected to the original thread that they used to promote um, finding out who other Jane Doe's and John Doe's are. So. Yeah. But yeah, back to our horrible, horrible crime. Oof, um, yes. Station Strangler. So the, the police at this point had a few theories for all of these different bodies. So um, one of the kids... Um, they said could have been lured, could have been abducted by a gang. Another one could have been just lured away from home. Um, but yeah, like 
they didn't seem very consistent and it everything pointed to them being connected yeah. even though they weren't testing the dna found at the scene or anything else i don't know why yeah no, that that sure. look is my brain over this yeah <laughs> um, sorry it doesn't translate well to audio but i think you um, explained it for enough <laughs> it's it's really strange so yeah they they have all sorts of different theories but um then there's another two that go missing together also in the beginning of 94 and their bodies were found lying together in the same shallow grave the rest of them were just nearby graves by this point because they'd all been abducted from the same area known as the the cape flats parents were terrified and they were some of them were starting to um refuse to send their kids to school and Mm. they um would go as groups to go through bushes to see if they could find anything whether it was the murderer or more bodies people Mm. are freaking out it, it ended up becoming the largest hunt for a serial killer in South African history. By this point, the Minister for Law and Order had upped the reward from 100,000 rand to a quarter of a million rand. How much is that in uh, dollars, do you know? Really good question. Um, it's actually, it's it's a lot of money to a lot of people, but it's it's only in today's money. Um, if we do a direct comparison, so not even upping it, mm. it's uh, about 20,000 US dollars. Mm. So it, it's a lot of money, especially considering where um, a lot of these kids had come from. They were all kind of from a, a fairly... The kids tended to be from poor communities. Mm. So by 1992, this was two years before these um, latest big um, discoveries of graves, Um a psychologist called Mickey Pistorius, who was a prodigy of Robert Ressler, um, the oh. FBI uh, serial killer profile, like, father. Yeah. yeah, Pistorius said the killer would be around 28 years old, that he would likely be a teacher, a priest, or a policeman, um, and that he probably would have been sodomized himself between the ages of 8 and 14. So they were looking for someone from pretty grim past that had done all right and was now doing pretty terrible things that's a very specific thing to to be able to say with uh, the yeah. age gap right yeah but it it makes sense with the victims that they find mm. and i mean well <laughs> a lot of people are really skeptical of criminal profiling i i think it can be a really good tool but mm. i mean the unabomber thing that was crazy yeah. what they could say about that. And um, whenever they finally find the guy, sure enough, it fit to a T. And I'm sure there are many cases where it doesn't. No, of course, of course. But, but like you said, a helpful tool is in addition, as long as it's not um, overruling yeah. proper evidence. But that's also what I was thinking. Are we up to six years now still? or? Um, so it was... Six years at the time of the profile, but it was mm. eight years at the time of the um, six bodies in one day thing. Okay, so but still six years on the profile, suggesting that he started at the latest when he was 22. Yeah. Which seems kind of early, but... I mean, does it? I think most serial killers present around uh, their 20s, don't they? I, I would have guessed a little bit later, like 25, 26-ish. Mm-hmm. But, mm. I don't know. It's, um, yeah... I have no facts for this. This is just a feeling reaction I got. So I don't know. I think for most people, isn't there either a trigger moment or you've been building up to it? Mm. And you usually start off as a kid doing horrible things like torturing or killing animals and then it builds up and builds up. So maybe it's a natural moment when you're out on your own to um, finally have the independence and uh, 
the anonymity, like maybe you're no longer yeah. living at home, you know, you don't have roommates, like you can finally go out and do this thing that you've been building up to doing for years. I don't think it's necessarily building up. I think it's the, the sudden realization of lack of supervision when you realize that there's no one there to take account of you is when you go off and do something crazy. Yeah, but we do know serial killers escalate. Mm. And whenever you have the two kids at the beginning, Wayne and his friend, yeah. it does make me think, did he just get better? We have sort of good news, though. By the 15th of April, 94, they have made an arrest. So just a couple of months after all of these bodies were discovered, they arrest a school teacher of one of the victims. So Neville's uh, school teacher, well, one of his school teachers, um, Norman Simmons, is arrested. He actually confesses. So he is interrogated, um, to be fair to... Um, sorry, not Simmons, Simons. To be fair to Simons, he was sleep deprived and the conditions were questionable. Mm. Um, he said that he was raped by his older stepbrother whenever he was around the same age as the Strangler's victims mm. um, and he'd never come to terms with his trauma. He also said he heard voices telling him to kill and he admitted to um, at least one of the murders. So he did match fairly well with the, um, the profile. He was also in his 20s at this point. Mm. Um, but there were a few red flags. Um, he did get convicted. The trial went on for three months. He was convicted and he was given, I think initially, this is only for one killing because that was all they could get him on. Mm -hmm. 15 years, sorry, 25 years for murder and 10 years for kidnapping. Um, the murder he was um, convicted of was of Elroy. How could they only get one, especially if he had a confession or did he retract he, his confession? He recanted his confession. Oh, okay, okay. And there was suggestion that it was under duress and mm. it didn't actually count for anything. Um, That's but they they did get the conviction. He did try to appeal it. And uh, so in 1998, the High Court of Appeal ended up rejecting it mm -hmm. and increased his prison sentence to life. But that wasn't the end of it. So unfortunately, none of the forensic or DNA evidence actually connects Simons to the killings. Um, even the specific one that he was convicted of. And there are some things that point against it. So there, there is, first of all, a big possibility that it was perpetrated by multiple people um, working together. One of the main issues was there was blood and semen found at many of the scenes. Both were connected to blood type A. And what I didn't know is you can have blood DNA evidence show up in different fluids. So you're either classed as a secretor, like 80% of the population, or a non-secretor, like 20% of the population. What that means mm. is your blood type can actually be found in fluids that aren't blood in your body. Oh, really? And 80% of the population have this. Huh. So what they find in the semen was they could type the DNA, or mm. they could, sorry, type the blood to a type A. But we have two issues. First of all, Simons isn't a type A. And second of all, he's not a secretor. So it doesn't make any sense. It all doesn't add up in the end. No. You you can actually get uh, blood type from saliva in 80% of the population. Isn't hmm. that crazy? That is kind of weird. I mean, I haven't considered this, but also wouldn't be too sure how much that would add, especially nowadays considering, like, actually checking DNA stuff. and like. Um... They did later check it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't match. 
Not surprised. Yeah, it's strange that. It wouldn't have been possible to match anyway. Um, there were also a whole bunch of other forensic dead ends. There was a fingerprint fund at the scene where they had uh, one of the unidentified boys. Mm-hmm. They also found a scrap of paper beside the boy reading many more in store, but neither the fingerprint nor the handwriting matched Simon's. Oh. Um, there was another fingerprint that was lifted from Neville, so his his old student, mm-hmm. and again, didn't match Simon's. At the Samay crime scene, there was a copy of Hausgenote, um, which is like a newspaper magazine-y thing, and there was a crossword puzzle that was half completed. Again, handwriting didn't match Simon's. Hmm. And once again, the blood and semen found on the body of, around the body of Jeremy, again, didn't match Simon's. I was, um, I was chatting to uh, my, my couple of friends in uh, my work who are South African, mm-hmm. and they were talking amongst themselves about how they were caned at school. And this is, these are like guys yeah. who are less than 30, and, and they were literally beaten red raw at school for, for being laid off and being rowdy in class and the yeah the corporal punishment they received is just something i can't imagine and you know um it was the same in indonesia so i have a friend who's i mean basically the same age as me he's two young months uh, older than me was also caned in school i can't imagine that yeah no, they just neither. um simon's he was only convicted of one murder but he is considered by um you know, most sources to be responsible for all what turned out to be 22 killings um, just because the one that he was convicted of mm-hmm. is one of the many, many victims. And it's it's just alleged that he committed the rest of them and the cases were initially closed. Mm. They were reopened in 2010, although as far as I can tell, not a lot is happening with them. Mm. Um, but by most people, there there's so many red flags that mm. just say even if he's responsible for one, he probably wasn't responsible for all. And if he was involved in them, he definitely wasn't working alone. But something interesting happened in 2016. So bang up to date. There was a guy called Brian Schofer, who was the only white guy living in that area. Oh, yeah. Back from the beginning. He was described by locals to to kind of stick out because it's unusual. Typically, there's a lot of segregation in South Africa, especially Mm. back then. Um, So for him to be living in an area um, with people of color was was not considered um, standard. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he was arrested in 2016 in July and charged with raping a 17-year-old boy. Um, He was also a school teacher. He was also from the same area, but he... In that block of flat, in the area that all the parents were scared and weren't sending their kids to school yeah. and everything else, um, he actually advertised tutoring services. Oh. Yeah. He was a self-confessed paedophile and he had been teaching. Um, he was sent to prison for a period of time, um, but it was after. It wasn't during the four-year window that it could have been. He okay. was sent to prison around 2000, I think 2008 until 2010. Interestingly... Two of his former landlords believe that he was the station strangler. Hmm. Um, they don't seem to give very much evidence towards it, other than he was in the area, he fit the profile. It was, um, yeah, it, the the whole thing was a little bit strange. But how how bad you have to be to have your landlord think that you're the station strangler? Like... Do you know what happened? One of the landlords said, 
I think he's the station strangler. And then another landlord was like, yeah, I think you're probably right. He was. It, yeah, it makes sense. But like, at the same time, though, people gossip. They do, but they don't gossip to the level where, like, I think he's Jack the Ripper. Do you know what? Yeah, he could be Jack the Ripper. <laughs> to be fair, during that investigation, uh, I mean, Jack the Ripper specifically, there was a lot of, like, oh, probably this dude, probably that dude, probably this uh, woman. I, I read recently about someone who was briefly almost connected or considered. I'm not going to go into details, though, because I still might use that one. Yeah. I know that the they thought the like hey maybe the prince is the ripper because hey he's got yeah. a lot of influence. What about the Dutch sailor theory? That's a really new one. I, this I don't know the Dutch sailor heard, theory. It's, like, it, the Dutch sailor theory I only heard about in the last like month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know enough about it to really go into it, but basically, um, it was a Dutch sailor going between um, I think one of the well one of the ports here and mm-hmm. London and. Yeah, was doing it for shits and giggles. Something to do at the weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, apparently so. Oh, but yeah, what the the second landlord um, saw it on the news and was like, oh yeah, definitely, definitely was. But whenever um, when chauffeur was originally arrested, he was away for a couple of days and then had a chat with his landlord, and he told his landlord, yeah, I was arrested and sentenced for having sex with two sixteen-year-old girls, which. Wasn't true. He raped a teenage boy. Mm. Don't know how it's that much better saying I had sex with two 16-year-old girls, but I guess it's maybe expecting the high-five bro thing. Uh. Anyway. Um, Not something you really want to brag to your landlord about. I don't want to have a conversation with my landlord ever. Like, I'm so <laughs> glad I don't ever have to have a conversation with a landlord ever again. I, I don't know. I just feel guilty about everything. I don't know. I guess landlords are kind of scary. It mm. reminds me of a Dickensian era when you have um, some <laughs> awful land baron who's snatching money off you and using it to um, line their pockets and pay their second mortgage. And mm. I'm a little bit resentful of it. Um, I love that you went straight to the Dickensian era. I was like, <laughs> hey, oh, Dickensian era, like land, that's what's going on. That's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly where I'm at. I'm just like, no, nope, nope, nope. Anyway, so... Shoot back for, to the murders. Yeah, back to the murders. So to finish, <laughs> to round off this rather untidily, um, this guy, Schofer, um, Schofer, he's arrested in at the end of July 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ex-landlords are all like, yep, totally him. Conveniently, he hangs himself. Oh. So he is now dead. I don't know if they ever tested the DNA. You'd think they would, though. You'd think they should, yeah. Um, but... I just want to pull it back to conveniently he hangs himself. I mean, I find that irritating more than anything else. But, <laughs> like, seriously? Why, I mean, why also... If you're already a self-confessed pedophile mm. and you've already been jailed for a similar offence, why now? Why are you hanging yourself in a jail cell after this latest arrest? The light of day really makes it worse, I guess. No, but this is... What, what does that mean? Well, when it when it comes out to... Like, all my secrets have come into the real world. And... No, but they've already been out. He was already arrested, like, um, what, eight or so years before? He was released from prison in 2010 after uh, being in there on, for raping a child as well. He sounds pretty terrible. But it, it does seem like a, an odd time to, to hang yourself. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's some heavy baggage. But at the same time, 
comparing that to being, regardless of actual guilt or not, I think very probably going in for this entire affair in that case with repeated murders, etc. And with a pass as well, probably wouldn't get out yeah. anytime. So. Yeah, that's a good point. But, I mean, the, the guy was, he was quite strange. He um, obviously wasn't able to work as a teacher anymore. He lived off his parents' money. Um, his parents had died, but left him a trust. And he he had to move apartments a few times once because there were too many kids in the area and his parole officer wasn't happy and the second time neighbors were complaining about his parties so yeah um yeah brian chauffeur hung himself in a jail cell um while he was being held over uh the rape of a 17 year old boy and i don't think they compared his dna with any of the crime scene dna i wonder how that works with um you know taking a sample at this point you think you'd just go for it i mean if they've gotten him to the point where he's actually in custody i mean he was on he was charged but yeah 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 but i mean charged in custody in that manner that shouldn't be an issue surely i i don't know I, I have no idea. Considering you see the movies where they, they walk into the, the office and they pick up the coffee cup afterwards. and I think that depends on the state, though, doesn't it? And you have to leave it in a public area. And it's not like you're... I mean, he's hanging there, but it's not yeah. like it's free game. I'm pretty sure the one's body is not a public area. No. Uh, as in digging into that. No. Ugh. The whole thing is kind of bizarre. Um, to make it even stranger, at one point he had a 12-year-old boy staying with him. Hmm. The mother had approved it. There was another period when he had a couple of uh, kids staying with him that he called his trainees. I was going to ask, was this the tutoring thing or how did they actually justify that? They, th- no explanation. No idea. Hmm. The, um, but the parole officer didn't find out about it until um, way later. So, yeah, but he he always um, stuck out like a sore thumb. Like, imagine white guy living in an underprivileged area Mm. with no other white people in South Africa. That's strange. Living off his parents' money. Hmm. But anyway. um, How did everything end up for... What's the current status on Simons? Simons is still convicted of the killing of one of the 22 and is considered guilty of the other 21. In spite of the DNA. Yeah. And the what? fingerprint and the handwriting and everything. Okay. It's totally bizarre. And mm. I mean, it's alleged that he committed the other 21 murders. He's only been found guilty of one. Yeah, yeah, but but... It is, it's a pretty solid assumption by most people, mm-hmm. um, despite all of these things. And there was, did you see that Netflix documentary, Confession Tapes? No, I haven't seen it yet. I really recommend it. It's it's horrifying, but the more I like find out about um, confessions and also with making a murderer, the Brendan mm. Dassey confession in particular, it's so strange how people can end up confessing to things that they had nothing to do with, yeah. especially when you're sleep deprived. It's terrifying. There's a, a very interesting thing with um, sleep deprivation, where yeah. after basically one night of sleep, you're the equivalent of basically being drunk. You're you're beyond the limit of of where you could drive. Yeah. Um, so I guess if you're sleep deprived, then you're basically drunk, which means then you're you're more likely to just yeah. agree to anything to 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 make it go away. You know. Mm. Mm-hmm. If I need to sign this confession, I'll do that. But so, 
What year was he um, convicted, Simon Snogan? He was convicted, so they arrested him in April 94, and I think by the time he was convicted, it was 95, 96. Mm. Um, and, and there has been no more similar deaths since then. Police say no. They do. Police say no. Do you believe them? Um, there are a lot of conspiracy theories. Hmm. And there are a lot of crimes that, especially people on Reddit, have pointed out as uh, this is definitely by the same person. Good old Reddit. And I want to believe it's not true, but some of them are pretty convincing. Yeah. And I also find it pretty amazing that um, the two kids from the beginning are mm -hmm. still not officially connected to the rest. Yeah. To me, it sounds exactly the same. Yeah, it's so weird. And like... Even if he actually is guilty of something, it is, I mean, 100% sure that he was not alone in that case due to the other um, evidence. Yeah. So, huh. There were um, other kids from the, the groups that were apparently lured away by being asked to help with boxes of bananas, by the way, which is uh, why I included it in the story. Um, so it seemed to be the same kind of MO. Mm -hmm. But, yeah... So that's it. Two potential guilty parties who were both teachers. Mm. Um, one was the teacher to one of the um, the boys and one was uh, definitely a pedophile teacher. Mm. And the profile says position of power. So I wonder if the profile is true. Sounds like it. Well, I mean, we don't know. Like, like I said, it could be true for, for instance, one person. Mm -hmm. But if there were more people... That makes it trickier. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I remember whenever we were doing this, you said you're going to have to keep your crime short, and then I just did this. <laughs> so um, let's see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I will bring up my crime, and we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Now my horrific story is over. Shall we move on? Yes, to the... Uh, Medium. I, I know you said your crime was uh, vanilla, Charlie, which would be the medium, but I'm. I think I'm very vanilla compared to you. If you have anything that involves any sort of real crime, I, I say real crime, but real crime is not. Okay. We're, we're working our way down to the nice round off of something ice creamy. We'll, we'll keep the spoilers down. We'll, we'll all get to hear it and enjoy it. <laughs> okay, so um, be it. So Jonathan, I like you say enjoy it. <laughs> we'll get to enjoy it. Perfect little bedtime story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, okay then. Jonathan, mm. tell me your story. Yes, it's my turn. I'm going to tell you about Dr. John Botkin Adams. Ah. Does this ring a bell? No. No. Not it at doesn't, all. but what a fancy name. <laughs> it is quite a fancy name. I know, is it fancy? Like, a bodkin isn't particularly fancy. I think bodkin is. Bodkin is what elevates it. He's like, got a double barrel name. That's like, like a needle sewing. Yeah, thing, exactly. Like. What right. could be more exciting? Fair enough. Fair I don't enough. know. I, to me, that, that elevates it. It's, you know, it's the made up name you pick whenever you're about eight years old <laughs> and you've just found it in. Uh, some book on a shelf near an encyclopedia. I, a sewing book? No. <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but you know what I mean? It's like, um, it's the sort of thing you open the dictionary, you point to a random word, and mm. that's my new middle name. Fair enough. I know. This was um, uh, back in the early 20th century. Okay. Oh, really? You picked an oldie. 
Yeah, kind of. Wow. But it goes on. Ooh. I, I was just thinking when the name would have uh, come up. By the way, the look on Charlie's face right now, I was like, you're going to tell me a story and I'm so excited and the first bit was really boring. Just, I just know a good story when I hear it. <laughs> I mean, it has bodkins. Well, it doesn't, but... It has the word. It has the word bodkin. Hopefully you're going to use it a whole bunch of times. <laughs> uh, I wasn't planning to. I was planning on just Adams, but if you prefer, I'll do bodkin Adams. Can you say that you weren't please, planning on? Please, please do bodkin Adams. That's what I want. <laughs> Okay, so Dr. Bodkin Adams okay. was yes. a suspected serial killer. Okay. But definitely a criminal, regardless of this, um, this ties in, and we'll hear more about that. Uh, as you might have deduced, he was a doctor. Uh, he was an actual doctor, doctor, medical doctor. That was my next question. Was yes. he an MD or a... Medical doctor. And he was very suspicious throughout most of his life what i can piece together suspicious uh, he, of others or he he in his actions and his practice as in medical practice okay uh was very suspicious so at some points there started and there were a lot of rumors uh, concerning him back in his time and they were not made better by the fact that he was mentioned in the wills of at least 132 patients that died in his care. He must have been a great doctor then. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not how it works. 132 patients? That, uh, he was well loved least. by 132 patients who happened to die. At least, yes. Wow. That is the base premise of it all. But yet Did again, he also have a, like a, a legal practice he was associated <laughs> with? He did not, but it sounds like he was very well versed in, you know, amending and changing wills and things like that and Unless, giving advice on this. I mean, if he worked on referrals, like if or if he had a lawyer friend who worked in referrals, <laughs> then hey, can probably give up the doctoring. But if you're that good at it and people love you that much to keep writing you into their wills just before they die, then... Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, I like where this is going. So far, I'm excited about Dr. Bodkin's Adams's great doctoring. <laughs> I assume he must be treating many, many patients because otherwise, you know, you must have quite a high death rate. And of course, it can be the case. He was treating a lot of patients, but um, also more on that later. <laughs> oh. Uh, and to be fair, these are, these are just the confirmed patients that died in his care that the will bit was confirmed. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Bodkin Adams, uh, he was born in Ulster, actually. Where in Ulster? We know Ulster. Do you know what Ulster you know is, Ulster. by the way? I know what Ulster is, okay, uh, but I, I'm not exactly sure of the actual birthplace. He studied in uh, Belfast. And, at uh, Queen's or? I'd oh, imagine if possible. he'd... Because if, if he studied at Jordanstown, that explains all the deaths. <laughs> no offense to Jordan Stein people, oh, rough, but rough, rough, rough. they don't have a medical program. Uh, no, I, I do think it was the Queen's that, <laughs> so, that rings a bell. And you know this, so. Um, but, uh, if they have a legal practice, boys in. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, studied there, and he um, there was a bit of moving around, but then he kind of settled uh, and ended up working as a, um, a general practitioner in Eastbourne in Sussex. Mm. In uh, 1922. That's near Charlie. No? Sussex, Essex, it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's part of England. Congratulations. <laughs> See how great my geography is? Mm -hmm. 
It's like basically Charlie's home time. <laughs> was this guy like the great great grandfather of Jerry Adams by any chance? Because we know an Adams. <laughs> you are so far out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> as well, you should. So after he um, he set up in Eastbourne in Sussex, as we know, and uh, he worked his practice for a couple of years and apparently made a lot of connections through his patients, mm-hmm. like. To be honest, as I've been reading all about him, like without any specific details, it's kind of hard to see why. But for some reason, he was very well liked by a lot of either rich or influential people. He's a lovable scamp with a high death rate. What's not to like? Well, I'm going to give you some examples. <laughs> oh, great. Yes. It is a bit weird, though, that, mm. you know, people really like you. Well, I mean, why do you like anyone? This is true. I mean, he, in some way, he must have been a real charmer, but uh, like the main things that are brought up in this story will be the not-so-charming bits, of course. Okay, good. Let's let's stick to that. I don't wish to feel conflicted. <laughs> Fair yeah, I don't think you will. Um, <laughs> about seven years after he had moved to Sussex, he had, amongst other, made friends with a patient named William Mawhood, mm. which is a kind of a fancy name. I, I find that way more scummy actually it's coming i don't know it just it sounds i i mean i have a feeling it's not going to end well for old willie so i'm <laughs> reluctant to comment on what i think his name sounds like but i don't know there's no bodkin in it no bodkins no bodkin but yeah so this uh Mohud william bodkin adams I'm you can just call that. him adams yes. just call him adams it's cool adams had borrowed two thousand pounds from him in the early nine, what? 1929. Wow, that's um, a lot of money. That translated, I found a very nice converter thing. And the historical calculator? Possibly. Yeah, yes. and it had uh, buying, power in, yeah. buying power in Sweden. Oh, really? Yeah, that's I, what I it defaults to. Now, so. mm. Oh, cool. How do you convince someone to give you like that much money to, to just, hey... You're a great doctor, clearly. <laughs> I'm, I'm a wonderful doctor. Give me 10 grand. Yeah. So this was uh, just... converted to today's rates. Uh, this was approximately 123,000 pounds. Hey, man, I'm having a bit of a hard time at the weekend. Can I get 123,000 pounds? Mm-hmm. It's more than just picking up a barbell, isn't it? It is. So like, this is the only uh, case in all these stories that it actually said okay he borrowed it so i guess that was supposed to be a loan there is no mention no mention of paying this back but how do you pay it back like how how do you say i will pay you back this amount of money that's an insane amount of money how do you bluff someone into giving you that yeah Yeah. well if they say he's well liked and you're telling me he's not a stand-up guy then i suspect he was a bit of a dodgy charmer I suspect so. But we've all we met see. them, though. Yeah, we've we've all met those people who are like, yeah, yeah. But you can normally see through it. No, but the worst ones aren't the ones that make your skin crawl. The worst ones, are the ones that make you doubt yourself, mm, and then true. you realize, however many months or years later, wow, yeah. they're a terrible person. <laughs> but. Is this the one you realize you're not holding a cat, you're holding like a, a weird angry possum and it's very hissy. And, it's... <laughs> and like, yeah. Why did I ever think that, that this was a cat? I, wow, gaslighting is real. Oh, Anyway, so he's a through and through scumbag. Um, we'll get to that. I'm suspecting that's the case. Okay. He, he got the uh, £2,000 mm-hmm. uh, with which he bought Kent Lodge. 
an 18-room house in a uh, pretty fancy area. How many possums are going to be there with him? Not possums, but a lot of stuff, I think, you'll find. Stuff? Um, an 18-room house is... I, I feel like that's a, that's a money generator rather than just, like, a money sink. But uh, what, what... Why would that be a money generator? Money. If it's a and b <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the Dear Doctor is going to be running a b and My biggest issue is, I feel like, if you have the space, you're going to fill it with crap. And... 18 rooms, mm. Dr. Adams, yep. are, you, are you a hoarder in the making? It seems like it. <laughs> kind of, to be honest. Uh, I do believe, like, before he got the house, he was living with his mother and cousin. I don't think they moved in with him, but it was a bit hazy on that. Mm -hmm. But we got some pretty bad statements regarding Adams from uh, Mohood's wife, who referred to him as, this is apparently a quote, a real scrounger. Mm, I love that word. Mm. Mm. And so apparently Adams would regularly invite himself to uh, the Mohood's home at mealtimes. Oh, uh, what? Often, you have an 18-room house. Could be full of crap. Often bringing his mother and cousin along as well <laughs> for the free food. Wow. Uh, he had, like, around town in local stores, uh, he had been charging purchases to the Mohood's account without what? their permission, things like this. When William died, mm -hmm. Adams uh, visited the widow, uninvited, um, went into their house, uh, took a 22-carat gold pen what? from, I think it was from like a bedside table or something. From the man he borrowed 10,000 pounds from. Uh, yeah, it's uh, 2,000 or a lot more in today's money. Sorry, 2000. Um, and he told her that oh, he wanted something of her husband's and then left and never visited her again. That is uh, a first taster of his character, let's see. Nice. Uh, so the bigger rumours around Adam started in the mid-30s when um, he had been mentioned in a will uh, which was contested in court. Ooh. Because he inherited over £7,000 in that day's money. So uh, we can imagine. So not only... Uh, it, this was from one of his patients called Matilda Witten. It was a huge amount of money. Mm -hmm. And not only as a standalone thing, but it was also almost 65% of her entire estate. Wow. But uh, it the will was upheld in court, so that appeared to be fine. Mm. Mm. But that kind of started more of the rumours. Uh, so Adams was not very fondly regarded by uh, other doctors, at least not at this stage. And he was not too happy about that, of course. Uh, but I think in 1941, he kind of broadened himself, if that's the word. Uh, and he got a diploma in uh, anaesthetics. Anesthesiology? I guess that would be what it's called now, but the actual diploma was for anaesthetics. Wow, not for grammar. Probably not, probably <laughs> not. And uh, yeah, he also started working more. He worked in a hospital once a week. He was messing up a lot there, though. So during operations, he would sometimes fall asleep. Uh, Whoa, what? Eat cake. During operations? Count money. What? Uh, or just makes or just make mistakes with the anesthesia to the point that some patients like woke up unexpectedly or um, had other side effects. But 
somehow he still had a very successful career and also kind of estimated to be the uh, probably the wealthiest GP in England by uh, 1956. Well, that kind of makes sense with all the kind of extras. Yeah. Gold yeah. pens and whatnot. True. But he still, like, he had a lot of patients and a lot of big patients as well. So uh, something, he was doing something right, at least. Yeah, I'm seeing a theme here. He's very mm. good at convincing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, he had a lot of, um, uh, like, some of the people in his care were like uh, MPs, uh, businessmen, high-ranking local police officers, etc. Um, so the only one he hadn't hoodwinked was uh, the wife of William. Yes, Morehood. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I can't. No, there, there were others, and like I said, there were a lot of rumors and stuff like that, but uh, mm. didn't affect his standing apparently. Apparently. So. After all these rumours, uh, police actually got an anonymous call about the death of a uh, Gertrude Hollett, who died unexpectedly in Adam's care in um, July 1956. So in August that year, uh, the investigation, because, well, it was called in, so they had to start investigating. Yeah. Uh, in August that year, the investigation was taken over by the Metropolitan Police's murder squad. Ooh. Uh, led by uh, Detective Superintendent Herbert Hannum, and that's a good name. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Detective Sergeant Charles Hewitt, I think. Uh, nah, <laughs> Charles's or Ten a Penny. You say that, but my um, my auntie's surname is Hewitt. I so. know. Mm. Could be. Uh, so they were sent out to um, basically uncover and connect crimes to the suspect that they had. Mm. So slightly backwards. It didn't take them long as they went through this to find evidence on things like forging prescriptions, making false statements, uh, mishandling drugs, dangerous drugs even, I think. I, I wonder what kind of drugs. Fun drugs or sad drugs? Like proper medical stuff, but possibly not in the applications presented here. Like a lot of morphine, <gasps> uh, possibly, I think a bit of heroin as well here and there. I I cannot believe they had like heroin and opiates and all sorts oh, yeah, of yeah. crazy stuff. And didn't they like prescribe small doses of arsenic for like tummy ache as oh, well? Oh, definitely. Ugh. So yeah, the uh, all the uh, prescriptions mishandling drugs, they found plenty of evidence for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but they needed to be able to prove that there had been unnatural deaths, that an act by Adams could have been, you know, what caused it, it could have been murderous, I think they said. Mm -hmm. And that he actually had an intent to kill. So they needed to find proof of that. Basically. Which is quite difficult, I imagine. Could be. But uh, as they went on, the investigation decided to focus only on cases from 1946 to 56. So 10-year span. Yeah. Only. So in this period, they checked 310 death certificates. Uh, 163 of them were deemed suspicious. Oh, dear. So, that's quite a lot. Kind of is, yeah. Uh, even through that, even from the selection of 310 deaths, which is a lot, but over mm -hmm. half is. Mm. So some of the suspicious cases, um, was, one was Agnes Pike. She was treated with a lot of hypnotic drugs what? in August 1939. Was that okay then? Mm, I mean, they were available as a resort, okay. but... At this stage, uh, during her treatment, Adams had banned all relatives from seeing her. Oh, that doesn't sound great. No. Her 
solicitors were apparently worried uh, over this and called for a second opinion from another doctor, mm-hmm. uh, a Dr. Matthew, who mm-hmm. uh, investigated to take over the treatment. Uh, so Matthew examined Agnes, but couldn't find any traces of a disease or anything, oh, anything shit. that needed to be treated. That's awful. Um, during the actual examination, so... Uh, uh, Matthew and Adams were there, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Agnes was incoherent. Uh, she appeared to be almost hallucinating or mm-hmm. completely off. Good lady. During this, like all of a sudden, uh, as Matthew was examining her, Adams just walked up to her and injected her with some morphia. I mean, she'd probably get a bit of a buzz, but it's not really the moment. A bit inappropriate, really. Kind of. Uh, so Dr. Matthew asked why, and Adams said, because she might be violent. Oh, uh, as they, the only explanation. They used to do that, though. Like, yeah, but you know. No, no, no this... it's 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 not okay. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, so, this ended up with uh, Matthew taking over the treatment and uh, stopped the medication. And after eight weeks or so, Agnes was back in her full faculties, functioning on her feet again. Nothing wrong. Fucking so, hell. that was raised as suspicious. Yeah, just a touch. Mm. Then we have some of the more dire ones, which is, uh, first off, Amy Ware. She died in February 1950. Uh, Adams had banned her, yet again, relatives from seeing her in the period leading up to her death. Uh, She left Adams £1,000 in her will. Which is a decent chunk. Mm -hmm. That's a bit insane. But on the cremation form, Mm -hmm. Adams stated that he was not in any way a beneficiary, of course which happened several times as well. Why? Why? I don't get it. Why would he state that? Because that is a requirement when you're handling, um, like oh, handling sorry, the of end of everything. In the, of course it is. Yeah. Oh. Um, that happened a lot and we'll get back to that as well. No one noticed at this point though. Well, I, I mean, I guess this is 20 years later and no one's noticed and they're only noticing now. So, wow. Kind of. Well, okay, this was uh, six years later doing the investigation, but they noticed more, more and more. Another one was Annabel Kilgore. Uh, She died in December 1950. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was aged 89. Uh, She had been Anna's patient since July that year when she suffered a stroke. Mm -hmm. She went into coma in December, Mm -hmm. immediately after Adam started giving her sedatives. I mean, sedative, coma, Mm -hmm. seems like a correlation. Also, suddenly... In a coma after being in his care. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and the nurse involved later told the police that she was quite certain that Adams either gave the wrong injection or a far too concentrated one. Yeah. Um, then going further to Julia Bradnam, who died in May 1952, age 85. Mm-hmm. Adams had been heard to ask her uh, earlier, uh, before she passed, of course, if her will was in order and offered to go with her to the bank to check it. Oh, dude. He found an excuse to have her rewrite it. It was something about, oh, a missing address or something that he thought should be there. Uh, So she was rewriting it, and he convinced her. So her original plan was to leave the house to her adopted daughters. Mm -hmm. But he convinced her that it was a much better idea to sell the house so she could give the money to whomever she wanted. So Adams Adams eventually received £661. Uh, the day before she died, uh, Bradnam had been seen doing houseworks and going for walks and everything was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next morning she felt a bit unwell, so she called Adams. Uh, he gave her an injection, said, 
it'll be over in three minutes. And a few minutes later, Adams confirmed, I'm afraid she's gone oh. and left. Oh, I hate Angel of Death ones. Mm. So her remains were uh, exhumed during the investigation in uh, 56. And Adams had stated that she died from a brain hemorrhage, but the remains um, were examined, the brain was checked, and they couldn't confirm the cause of death, but they could confirm that it could not possibly have been brain hemorrhage. I mean, in his defense, we already know he's a shit doctor, so... Well, people in this era did not appear to realize this. Mm, sounds like they're beginning to wake up. So, uh, next one. I'm getting to the end of my list of selections. It's not all of them, but some. Uh, so, Julia Thomas died on the 22nd of November, 1952, age 72. Mm-hmm. She was treated by Adams for depression after her cat died. So uh, that is that. Talk so, about getting someone in a moment of need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, as I mentioned, she died on the 22nd of November. Uh, on the 19th of November, mm-hmm. uh, Adams gave her sedatives so she would feel better in the morning. Yeah. Uh, the next day, after more tablets, she went into a coma. Oh. On the 21st, Adams told Thomas's cook, um, Mrs. Thomas has promised me her typewriter. I'll take it now. So he took it and left. What? And she died at 3 a.m. the next morning. That's awful. Mm-hmm. The last few here I'm going to bring up are connected. Paint more of a picture. She seems to be lining stuff up for, like, the... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to give you a picture. As I said, both of... Uh, I mean, it's difficult to judge competency, but... Don't tell me... What kind of happens here? Don't tell me all the police officers get sick and... All of a sudden, he's appointed as their doctor. Official <laughs> free, doctor of Scotland Yard. <laughs> that would be a big thing. I don't think it's that, but we're getting somewhere in that direction. Uh, so we have Hilda Neil Miller, who died in January 1953, age 86. Mm-hmm. Also pattern on the, of course, it's older people, but older women in particular. She lived in a guest house together with her sister, Clara. Uh, They were both pretty isolated from their family. And uh, Adams was apparently behaving suspiciously when um, uh, questioned by their friends on their status. He was kind of secluding them even more. Yeah. During this period as well, a nurse involved had several times seen him like pick up, examine and steal stuff from her room. Which is not a good sign. Um, So... Her sister Clara, she died February the next year, the following year even, uh, age 87. After she died, Adams got £1,275 from the will. Mm -hmm. And he also charged the estate uh, a further £700 for his work. He's getting into bad habits. Hmm. So Clara's was the second body that was exhumed during the police investigation as well. That's horrible when they have to exhume bodies as well. Yeah, but Ugh. they need the evidence and there there has been a lot of cremation as well. So Yeah, but that's very typical in Angel of Death ones. If they have any True. kind of influence over what happens to the body, then... Mm-hmm. But she was exhumed um, during the... Uh, uh, examination they concluded that she had bronchopneumonia possibly caused by a high drug doses 
and it was definitely not a hard problem, which was what Adams had written on the certificate. Again, we're seeing a theme here. Mm. Uh, Adams had also not appeared to not treat the bronchopneumonia at all as well. So. Oh dear. Mm. And final example here, Annie Sharp. She died on the 15th of November, 1956. Mm-hmm. So this was after the investigation had started. Uh, Annie was the owner of the guest house where the sisters lived. Yeah. And she was actually a witness in the investigation. Mm-hmm. So Adams was also her doctor. He had diagnosed her with cancer five days before she died and prescribed her drugs for this. Of course he had. So five days later, she dies. Uh, she was cremated hastily and her remains could not be examined during the investigation. Strange that. So apparently the police uh, had interviewed her twice before, and they were quite disappointed because they felt they were getting through to her and that she was about to crack, basically. So th- these were just a few, like, you know how many deaths they were checking into. Mm-hmm. So there were so many. Um, but the uh, investigation ran into a lot of issues, uh, everything from obstruction from the British Medical Association. Really? Yep. They were supporting him? Uh, or they just trying to protect their um, doctors in general from too much I scrutiny? I think it was the latter. So we'll get into more on that uh, a bit later as well. But what they actually did was they did like a nationwide, let's say, poignant reminder of... Uh, upholding the, um, well, basically vows of secrecy or like patient confidentiality things phrased in a way that was basically no doctors would uh, talk to any police yeah. at that moment for a long while. Uh, but then there were also like leaks of investigation reports and stuff like that. Uh, after a while, the BMA actually did go back on that and they got more cooperation, but there was a lot in the way there. So Hannum. Uh, one of the investigators with the cool name, he just kind of ran into Adams uh, in October 1956. So, I mean, there were investigations, so of course they were close and they knew of each other. And Adams apparently approached him and asked, you're finding all these rumors untrue, aren't you? Oh, no. And Hannum went with this and he mentioned the forged prescriptions first, which they had a lot of evidence of. What Um, were the forged prescriptions about? It was like there were some issues partially with how much, uh, how many drugs he had at his disposal. Oh, the thing from um, before with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he had... um, uh, like made prescriptions for uh, people like family or general people who didn't have any need or didn't know it just to write it down so he could stockpile more, I guess. Oh dear. Um, the worst case was in one of the deaths. Mm-hmm. There was a man who died and he had gotten a sizable dose of uh, morphine, I think it was. And the day after he died, Adams took out a prescription and asked them to backdate it. Oh. Uh, which was like that was probably just to cover up that he probably had a huge yeah. stash of everything which he took from uh, rather than um, directly to any possible murder or crime yeah. but still a lot of forged prescriptions and faking um, so uh, tampering on in both directions basically uh, to which uh, Adams replied that um, quote that was very wrong but I have God's forgiveness for that so. Can you imagine having this conversation? Mm, that must be tricky. I'm surprised um, um, the police officer was that 
candid about the whole thing. Mm. He was even more candid. After this, he uh, asked him about the deaths of his patients and uh, the money he had received through wills, whereby Adam replied, A lot of those were instead of fees. I don't want money. What use is it? I paid uh, £1,100 super tax last year. And Adam later mentioned that um, uh, Mr. Hollett was um, uh, one of the people who died. He left him £500. Mm -hmm. Adams replied, no, no, he was a lifelong friend. Even I thought it would be more than that. So that goes a little bit back and forth. Then they brought up the false statements on the cremation forms, uh, which had happened regularly. And his response to this was, oh, that wasn't done wickedly. God knows it wasn't. We always want cremations to go off smoothly for the dear relatives. If I said I knew I was getting money under the will, they might get suspicious. And I like cremations and burials to go smoothly. (laughs) There was nothing suspicious, really. It was not deceitful. Good job, as long as we've got that cleared up. Very, very nice guy, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, also not really understanding the concept of deceit, but um, yep. Yeah. In November that year, uh, the investigation uh, got a search warrant for Adam's house under the Dangerous Drugs Act of 1951, specifically stating that they were looking for morphine, heroin, pethidine, whatever that is, and the like. Adams greeted them and declared that he had no such drugs and very seldom used them. Very seldom on himself or on others? On others uh, was to be implied here, I think. He did, in fact, have morphine in the house, which he tried to sneak off while he distracted uh, (laughs) the team with some, oh, look in this cupboard, and it was just like cheese and stuff. Uh, So he tried to sneak it off, but they found that. Um, And they also found that he had no, uh, he was not keeping a dangerous drugs register, which you're bound to do by law. Okay. He basically just like, what? What's that? I don't know. I've never kept a register. And when he was shown a list of dangerous drugs he had prescribed to um, Edith Alice Morell, who died in November 1950, and she was the main, hers was the main case that brought up, was brought up later in the trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam said... There's a trial. There's a trial. A trial is coming. Mm-hmm. Coming soon. So to this he said, I did nearly all... Uh, perhaps the nurses gave some, but mostly me, uh, which contradicted some evidence which was brought up in the trial later. Hanum then asked, Doctor, you prescribed for her 75 uh, one-sixth grains heroin tablets the day before she died. I don't know what heroin tablet dosage is like, but it sounds pretty brutal. That sounds like a lot. It sounds like more than I would have a paracetamol, so... Yeah, <laughs> 75 of them, so yes. Um, Adams replied, poor soul, she was in terrible agony. It was all used. I used them myself. Do you think it's too much? I don't know. I guess so. You're the doctor, would be the response here. (laughs) Presumably. Yeah. Um, Later at the police... you've been trained, so... Uh, later at the police station here, uh, Adam also told Hanum that easing the passing of a dying person isn't all that wicked. Uh, she, referring to Morel, mm-hmm. uh, wanted to die. That can't be murder. It's impossible to accuse a doctor. Mm. Adams was arrested on the 19th of December in 1956. Good. And when he was told of the charges, because they had been building and trying to get him for uh, the murder, mm-hmm. his response was... Murder. Murder. Can you prove it was murder? I don't think you could prove it was murder. 
she was dying in any event. <laughs> so Hannam thought that he had collected enough evidence to, uh, at least for four cases, for the prosecution to be uh, warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, these were regarding Claire Neil Miller, one of the sisters, uh, Julia Bradnam, Edith Alice Morell, which we touched on, one of the exhumed ones, and Gertrude Hollett. So of these, Adams was actually just charged on one of them, the murder of uh, Morell, mm-hmm. but um, but with the other deaths to um, uh, basically prove a system. That's, okay. Um, this was a theme. I don't know that that would be allowed these days, would it? I'm not entirely sure. I think you would have to try him for all of them. Mm. Or he'd have to but, be convicted of them. Yeah. And anyway. I mean, both the officers and some other people, including a, a judge, were surprised by um, a lot of things during the trial. Partially that the prosecution chose to um, uh, charge him with the uh, Morel death. Mm-hmm. Because that was um, that was one of the weaker ones of them. Yeah. And uh, there were some issues with handling evidence during the trial. For mm-hmm. instance, I said uh, earlier that his statement didn't really correspond with some notes. Yeah. Um, these notes were logged as evidence for the prosecution, but then they kind of disappeared for a bit. And They how? got back during the trial to disprove uh, statements from some nurses. Yeah. But they got back and the prosecution hadn't really seen them and the prosecution did not ask for, like, um, how do you say, adjourn the... Um, uh, discovery, whenever they have to hand over whatever evidence they have against yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I mean they they, they should ask. do that and they technically did that, but that was like last minute thing. Yeah. But he did not ask for time to review this evidence either, um, which was weird. Uh, and one of the biggest ones was the fact that Adams would not call to give evidence... Uh, he was not called to be questioned at all. So it's not that he refused to take the stand, he just wasn't called? He wasn't called. That's bizarre. I mean, considering how chatty he was, and you've heard some quotes from him. Yeah. So this even surprised the judge that he was not called. Yeah, but also, Um, if he was charming enough to to do some of this stuff that, you know, he did, especially at the beginning, then maybe that was just a strategic choice that... Um, if he is charming enough to convince someone to add him into the will, to lend him £2,000, to, you know, be seen as a really great upstanding doctor yeah. when he's actually dodgy as sin. And but still, there's a difference between, like, he can be charming and just talk, and it sounds like he has a bit of um, flow of consciousness problem. Like, if he's already basically told a police officer things like, oh, she was dying anyway, and things like that. Yeah. Having him on the stand, I think, would have been good for the prosecution's case. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of these, what a lot of the uh, like the police and the judge thought was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. As mentioned, Adams had tied to several prominent figures also in the legal system. Mm-hmm. And there might have been more pressure from, for instance, the BMA and others. Some have speculated that uh, part of this was because of the NHS, National Health Service. Yes, good yes, job. Thank you. Well done. Uh, which was not in a good position at the time. With uh, When is it ever? I don't know. It's It's been in a pretty uh, bad state for a long time. Apparently it was bad enough at this point for it to be remarked on. <laughs> uh, so partly with the finances and internal issues, which uh, could have been a reason for more interference. People have speculated things like uh, a doctor sentenced to death would have led to like a mass defection 
of doctors from the NHS for mm -hmm. fear of being basically hind for prescribing medication and also the whole public confidence thing being ruined. Hey, we've been employing a murderer. Yeah. So on the 9th of April 1957, the jury found Adams not guilty. What? Yep. Okay, this is not where I saw this going. No. After the trial, uh, Adams resigned from the NHS and... Afterwards, there was another one, though. He was convicted on the 26th of July on eight counts of forging prescriptions, four counts of making false statements on cremation forms, and three offences under the Dangerous Drugs Act. He was fined £2,400 plus costs of £457. What? Yep. This is ridiculous. Yep. The... I want to say what was a bit better was that his license to prescribe dangerous drugs was revoked Yay. in September and in November he was struck off the medical register. Okay, good. However... I mean, that's bare minimum. Whoa. However, he was reinstated in what? November 1961 after two failed applications <laughs> uh, and his Third license to prescribe uh, drugs was restored in July the following year. Ugh. So he continued practicing medicine. And, yeah, he kept going until June 1983, uh, where he slipped and fractured his hip. I think Good. it was out, uh, like, uh, shooting um, uh, clay... Clay pigeon clay shooting. Clay pigeon shooting, yeah. Okay. And after this, he was sent to hospital. He developed a chest infection. And his doctor didn't give a shit and gave him a load of morphine and heroin and... Okay, sorry. N nothing so poetic, I can see, but he died on the 4th of July. Uh, he had still been receiving legacies and um, payouts from Wills until the final days. I'm and so irritated by this, but also at least he died in hospital. Like, screw you. Yeah. He left behind an estate of 402,970 pounds, which in today's coin would be around 1.3 million pounds. Wow. And, yeah. <laughs> From a disgraced doctor. Mm. Well, wow. disgraced and restored, I assume. Yeah, and it wasn't even properly disgraced. It was slightly tarnished. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and I mean, he, he kept a lot of his, uh, once he got back, he kept I mean, treating a lot of his older clients as well, well patients. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it? That's it. That's awful. Yep. Wow. But I know I I thought it sounded interesting first, and it when I found this it crime is. and started reading, and you see like all this huge list of um, uh, all the people who died and all the wills, and I thought this would be a clear cut thing. Yeah, 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 um, for sure. But then there was a lot of reading, and once actually going to um, getting to the trial and reading how annoyingly inefficient everything was, and yeah. they basically just tossed everything away. That's, That's terrible. A bit of a downer. Oh, I thought the NH, I thought the NHS was frustrating today, but no, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. No, better. Uh, I don't let's know hope better. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's it's not the staff that I tend to have an issue with with the mm. NHS. Like I love the idea of it, but yeah. Oh, that's not okay. Nope. It wasn't kind of insane. Like it, a lot of people were still against him like mm -hmm. basically all of the media and press were also against him good he did however manage to sue a lot of newspapers for libel Ugh. something like that which not too fun 
No. But no, it was just connections and the circumstances that they did not appear to want to get this through, so... Ugh. I'm... Yeah. Mm. Good story. Mm. I'm on a bit of a diner. Yeah. Um, so we need a pick-us-up. Yeah, I'm wondering if we should have the drink while we're having a story told to us. What do you think? fucking crazy color isn't it it is an intriguing color and the uh the foam layer really caps it off nicely isn't it mm. so we have a drink here we should say um a if i'm to understand it correctly a brand new invention yeah with a fancy name uh what did i say i was gonna call it emergency services yeah emergency services mm. I like this. Emergency services. It's blue and white, just like the uh, flashing lights. Mm. And I know nothing about this. Uh, I didn't... Well, okay, I saw one of the ingredients. <laughs> I will want to run down. I want to know what's happening. It's a citrus gin drink. Mm. And it's very vibrantly turquoise. Yeah, it's from the blue curacao. Mm. So, curacao... Yeah, that's how you say it. I always curacao, feel... Yeah. yeah, I feel very weird about it. I just... I always feel like I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, it's, it is gin, really dry gin with mm-hmm. blue curacao and lemon juice and a tiny bit of powdered sugar and mm. egg white for the foam. Uh-huh. Mm. I want to say it's, it's, a, it's a lovely sort of turquoise colour with a white foam top. Yeah. It looks yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it's like a very straight layer of the... Um white fluff that's uh, representing i'm not sure if the colors of the <laughs> the lights are supposed to represent anything apart from you know shiny lights but shiny shiny lights um yes. i have no idea i wish i'd taken a picture of this decent picture but i think it's too late for that now. well i'm sure we can recreate it as well but yes i will put the recipe up on our mm. site there's a lot of citrus uh, on the nose yes it's it's very bitter so, Charlie's going to tell us a lovely tale. And as he's uh, preparing his uh, lovely notes, I think we need a little toast and a little taste. Yeah, let's have a toast. Ooh. To stories that aren't as bitter as this drink. Yes, good one. Cheers. Cheers. Slancha. Oh. How do you find it? Well, you kind of built up the bitterness expectation. I didn't find it that bitter. It's it's um and it's not so I mean it's sour, but it's like it's drinkable. It's thoroughly drinkable. Yeah, but it's like not that sour either. It's not that acidic. And mm. I can't place it, but something like you get underneath the foam, you get a lot of citrus and it can't just be the sugar. There's a very sweet and like round softness afterwards. It's uh, the egg. Really? Yeah. I didn't think I was getting that much. But, Charlie, well. what do you think? That's a very delicious but bitter. <laughs> You found it that bitter. Um, oh. You have a very sweet tooth, though. I have a very sweet tooth, but that's very bitter. Like there, there's, <laughs> there's the initial oh. wave of like, ah, oh, foamy, but <laughs> I know I'm normally not the biggest fan of bitter stuff, but no, this is all good. E. And to me, rather sweet, but <laughs> it is not for Charlie. <laughs> it might be sweet, but damn. I don't think it's too sweet. I think it's just the right level of sweet. Mm. But um, I also think it's just the right level of citrusy. (laughs) 
I do not find it as overwhelming on any point as I know, for instance, some of my ginger concoctions are. So. Oh, I'm sorry. The ginger one was too much for me. No, it, it was a lot. I agree that it was probably over the top, but I still liked it. Your ginger one was fine. It was not to my taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we have one last story for the evening. Yes. And it's a short one, I believe. Oh, short but sweet. We try. Uh, I don't think it's sweet. Is it sweet? Oh. Okay, oh, so we need something sweet. I'm happy to bend the definition. <laughs> <laughs> sweet compared to the other monstrosities this evening. Um, <laughs> well, no one, no one dies technically. So. Oh dear. Ooh, okay. Technically, makes me very worried, though. Let's um, let's make the request. Yes, Charlie. Please tell us your story. The year is 2013. We're in uh, Sicily. We are experiencing a heat wave. Ooh. No, no water on the ground. We're in uh, Ragusa. There was a lot of problems with forest fires. It had been a particularly dry summer. The, the ground was dry. The 40 degrees was just wrecking everything. Like, you start a campfire, boom, forest fire. Everything's on fire. Like, oh, you, you can't do anything with this. I read a really interesting stat on forest fires. Something like 30% of them are as a result of humans anyway. Really? Yeah. Oh. Only who can oh, prevent forest fires? Firefighters? <laughs> beavers. Beavers need to release the dams. <laughs> Either way, the, the local uh, volunteer firefighters of uh, Ragusa had been called out 120 times. That's a lot of work for volunteer firefighters. That is, considering the the comparable firefighters in the region had only been called out 40 times. What? Mm. Mm-hmm. So w- what period are we talking over the summer or... Um... Yeah. Did you say they're volunteer or recreational? <laughs> they weren't like recreational. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds dodgy. Volunteers are like, they have a normal job and they come out to the firefight and the rest of the time. It wasn't like, they're like, hey, what do you want to do the rest of like, the weekends? <laughs> Let's fight some fires. That's a, a, a big weekend job. Mm. <laughs> it is a big. Who decides who um, gets the fire job? I would assume there's an application process and... No, 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 no. Like, how do you write... Oh, oh yo, who yo. gets assigned the fire? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, Billy, you need to put exactly, out the fire. Exactly, exactly. Billy Italiano has to put out... <laughs> I mean, of all names, oh, you choose Billy. <laughs> <laughs> you choose Billy. No, why not? That's the least Italian-sounding name I, I think I've ever heard. I was just trying to not bring in Jim into the conversation again. We're not talking about Jim. No, that, that's oh, my the, point. Oh, the guy who'd been naming babies in Belfast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can we just talk about Mario and Luigi instead? <laughs> right, Jim. Jim had Jim had been holidaying in some other part of the country for some reason. Um, but yes, <laughs> what happened is these uh, volunteer firefighters had been um, dealing with some extra fires in their region. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in the the 2013-2014 years. And it turns out the reason they've been uh, visiting more fires than anyone else is because they'd also kind of been setting those fires. <laughs> I was kind of guessing we were going this direction. So quick quick question for, you know, general explanation. They were volunteer firefighters. Did they get paid? They did get paid. Did they get paid by the fire? <laughs> they, they kind of did, yes, which is what's the, the bad thing. So that like, is ridiculous. <laughs> I were, think this is a system out. open to corruption. Yeah. <laughs> They're hanging out on Saturday. And if they didn't get any calls, they didn't get any money. But if they got a call, they got uh, 10 euros, <laughs> which is the equivalent of uh, <laughs> nine pounds, or 12 
dollars in US America. US or Canadian? Okay, US, US. US dollars, like it, per hour. So they per realize. Hour. Per hour, yeah, like literally. like. Um, well, that's better than a one-off fee. Exactly. <laughs> they, they, they weren't by the fire. They were like, hey, fire over here. Let's go hang out. And, if it's and... a big one, then it'll take a couple of hours. You might get 20 euros exactly. ahead. Did they also issue a statement saying everyone should leave their chip pans on? <laughs> <laughs> they they did have a, a very loose, like, fire safety uh, mandate. Uh, but yes, if, if if we come down to the very, very bad thing that they did, uh, their boss, who was the um, brigade commander... Did they set him on fire? No! <laughs> he, 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 like, skipped shifts. So, like, hey, no. I'm meant to be there on Monday morning, but I'm going to, like, not be there. I'm going to start a fire in the forest and then no. we can show up there and like, we can maybe get paid for He this. pulls a sickie to set a fire. He did. He skipped his shifts. He like started a forest fire and had his family phone in like, hey, there seems to be a big fire over here. Can we go into that? I'm enjoying the emergency services drink. <laughs> yes. It feels suddenly very appropriate. The, the, the technical definition is uh, the brigade commander, a refrigerator technician uh, identified as DDV, Nicknamed uh, for the ringleader of his uh, <laughs> band, even said he wanted to set a bomb. This is the really crazy stuff. He wanted to set a bomb and have the fire brigade show up and then explode and maybe it damaged <laughs> their like fire truck and he could get a new fire truck out of it. So he really oh, was like seriously paying the insurance game out of this. So it's not even crazy. like hero syndrome. It's really like let's mess shit up and get some free stuff and get paid. What out of out of the uh, the twelve people, or sorry, fifteen people who were um, identified as the squad, he was put under house arrest because he was a a dangerous commuter. Like he he was like so dangerous they couldn't let him free into the world again. So I mean, uh, bombs on. and fires will is a pretty good basis. How many people were so there were fifteen people in the volunteer firefighter squad? Yes, including the leader, yes. guy, whatever chief, the volunteer chief. The, the volunteer chief, uh, 15 were arrested. What? Uh, uh, we're not there yet. So there were... What? So, All 15 were arrested? This is insane. That's, good. Oh. <laughs> that's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't funny. This is really like... This is scamming funds. Well, and it's not also even setting that. fires. Setting fires. <laughs> but aside from the obvious, it's also like... I mean, it's not like they're getting paid a set wage. They're actually being paid by the fire. Yeah, that's a big mistake right there. Oh, that's ridiculous. They had 120 incidents, which is not so bad. But No, but when there's that... 15, then you're talking <laughs> about like... The standard, the standard level of incident was 40. When you realize that they're more <laughs> than three times more than incidents, everything else is going on, like, you know how bad they are. They're like, they're just going out into the bush and like throwing down matches. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get that. Were they any good at putting them out? Uh, sometimes they kind of went out and said there was a fire, but there wasn't a fire. So <laughs> they weren't so great. So they prevented it. Fair, that's, that's better, though. Yeah. No, I'd rather, like, go out and lie about it rather than set one and then yeah, yeah. do the whole hero syndrome bit. Mm. Like, just have someone take a baseball bat to the side of the truck and say, a bomb exploded. Don't <laughs> actually make a bomb. Anyway. Uh, all I can say is that the, the leader got told off because... Uh, got told off. <laughs> I say got told off. He put under a house arrest because he um, kind of wanted to keep doing it after everyone had said, like, ah, oh, we've been caught. 
So. After they've been caught, he's. But so what, what? What were the consequences of them being caught? Yeah, if he yeah. could just start scheming, oh fuck it, we'll keep doing this. How did they get caught? After starting multiple fires and reporting it into their own department, mm-hmm. um, the police thought this is kind of weird, and the police recorded the the conversations on the the tapped phones. The tap phones. <laughs> yeah, they weren't tap phones. They're fucking emergency lines. Let's calm down. It was it was the local firemen's the, the volunteer firemen's phones who. Uh... But aren't they having to call through to the main line? No. Well, I mean, no. N- not when they're as I understood it. They were Firemen basically like each calling other. each other and like, oh Steaming. yeah, it's a dead day. Let's go set a fire. Is that what happened? Pretty much, yeah. They, they were like, hey. So they did have their phone lines tapped. They, they did. They, they had their, like, like when, when you're going out on your, like, weekend, you're like, hey, let's start a fire in the middle of nowhere and then call my buddies and my buddies can get paid for coming out. He, was like, called his buddies and was like, hey, man, I just started a fire in the middle of nowhere. Maybe you guys should show up and, like, deal with this? <laughs> Shit. That's going to make And person. then the police recorded that and were like, hey, so did you guys start any fires? Like, nah. But how about this phone call where you told your friends that you started a fire and they're like, ah, apart from that one. Think, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe I did that one and my friends did that one. So, yeah. <laughs> and what happened? Did they go to jail? No, they just had a big party. No, what happened? <laughs> they no, had a um, barbecue and... So, <laughs> they they had a, a a big problem where the police came in and were like, hey, are you guys starting fires? They're like, nah. And they're like, but kind of started fires didn't you <laughs> and they were like yeah we did that a little bit everyone got off apart from the um guy who was in charge of the uh volunteer fire squad who wanted to keep going it's like everyone else is saying it's been an amazing summer we had a good run you know but it's over now and he's like no no we can keep doing this we can keep doing this to the end of the year it sounds like they had a lot of evidence beyond that though I feel like they had a, a lot of evidence, but they were like they came to the end of it and like the only thing we can really do is house arrest because you didn't hurt anyone. Exactly, he he, he was just happened to be what? setting fires and then also putting out the fires. So, but it's fraud. Yeah, at the very least, fraud, but also you know reckless endangerment and all these things. I don't know. The Italians did have Berlusconi, I guess. Does anyone <laughs> really mind? <laughs> the police said he had a sharp criminal ability. And no fear for the consequences of his behaviour. Oh. Well, no wonder mm. if there are basically no consequences. <laughs> <laughs> when you're setting stuff on fire and no one cares, like, hey, keep going. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of on his side now. Like, <laughs> oh. if you're having fun and no one really seems to give a shit, then why not? Apparently we're not harming anyone. All we're doing is boosting the economy. Well, I- their economy. <laughs> I would like to say it was like really like touch and go with this, but in all fairness, they did record the conversations that these these like <laughs> weekend firefighters had, and they were like, "Hey, I've just started a fire over here. Can we can we, we can go sort that out?" Oh, oh dear, what? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I think that's it. Is that it? Well, um. If you live in Sicily and you don't like fires, then yeah, that's... that's. If you live in Sicily and you do like fires? <laughs> don't like fires, so... Oh, okay. The phrasing just made it sound like there would be more if we actually liked the fires. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of fire. I mean, we have wonderful creations of George Ford here with us as well. Yeah, so. George Ford. Ah, mm. oh, George Ford. Uh, he said light, not like. 
Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eight years. That makes more sense. Eight years, and I still can't understand a word he says. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you're interpreting. Yeah, no, but the first time I heard the same as you. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Usually it takes a lot longer before I actually hear it. Do you understand Charlie's accent? If you do, please write to us and give us tips. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Very good, Dude. darling. I like that. That was a good offer, though. I that mean, was, yeah. it, it, it's not a matter that technically sh- should be funny, but... It's not funny. We were giggling a lot, and I enjoy that as a capper. Yeah. Char, was... Um, did anyone die? Did anyone get hurt? From my understanding, no one died, no one got hurt, but uh, there was some property damage, but property damage as it goes is not like uh i mean if it's personal property that's pretty bad yeah you've just ruined that you've made it really depressing <laughs> <laughs> although that terrible property damage you heard, no but yeah. seriously how would you feel if our shit was burned Be I, I, grateful <laughs> that is the look of a man who thinks his girlfriend has too much crap I, yeah well if 95 percent of our stuff burnt then like only two percent of my stuff is burnt so I have a flame retardant box of all the stuff that I want to keep. It's fine. <laughs> the flame retardant box is called an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> if this place goes up in flames next week, I know exactly who to look at. The Sicilians? Uh, someone called... <laughs> the Sicilians. <laughs> someone who calls themselves Jim the Italian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there was a guy running out going, Fuck you! Fuck, I'm fucking Jim! Because <laughs> this is so you speak Italian, it's all in the hand Yes, it's in the hand gestures, but they don't translate, and I'm going to... Edit the sound, I hope. No, no, I'm going to hazard a guess that anyone actually listening and just hearing the sound and not <laughs> the gestures will just hear some really weird... I know, Scottish-Egyptian... That was not Scottish-Egyptian, kind of how dare you? You're shitting all over my Scottish-Egyptian heritage. That uh, Scottish-Egyptian was kind of close, though, yeah. <sighs> shtum, shtum. <laughs> oh, dear. Well. Oh, that I, was a crime. We Well, there I were a lot of crimes. Yeah. In all three stories, everyone presented a lot of crime. Crimes. Yeah, there, it was a serial crime spree for everyone. Serial yeah. crime spree? It, there was a spree for everyone. Yes. I am... Um, I didn't expect to be laughing so much at the end of some an episode full of such depressing shit. <laughs> Which is a marvellous conclusion, I feel. Yeah, happy happy Tuesday, everyone. Yeah. Oh, we haven't even said that. It is Tuesday and we wish you have a happy one. Uh, we're really happy that you're listening to us and uh, got through this with us. It's been a long day, but I do like it. We've gotten through a lot of crime. It's and that's what ride. we're here for. Yeah. Mm. It's been an emotional ride. Not a roller coaster, a ride. Oh, I need a big sit down and I've been sitting down for hours but I need a big sit down but yeah for all of you we hope you've been well I don't know if we hope you've been sitting down but we hope you enjoy this episode yeah. and if you have any kind of feedback or comments or requests or whatever you can always reach us on Twitter at Crime by the Bar or send us an email if you're feeling super chatty crimebythebar at gmail.com always works and uh, yeah, for the drink recipe and show notes and fancy pictures and all that stuff. We'll put Chinese shit on there. Mm. Uh, and you can check it out on crimebythebar.com. Yeah. And thank you very much to our lovely guest, Charlie. Mm. I was here. <laughs> that you were. That you were. <laughs> no, you will we're be. In really the... happy that you came and helped. 
I feel like you improved the atmosphere. I certainly did something to the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you did. You you mm. remember whenever we were in Budapest and we went into um, the Hillard Baths and there was this smell and it's like, is someone really gassy? No, it's the sulfur. I feel like you're the sulfur. It doesn't always go down that well, but you know it's actually quite nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was... Uh... That was an experience. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't like your drink. <laughs> Thank you very much, Anna and Jonathan, for contributing to my show. Um, <laughs> it's been wonderful. I, I think you both added something. If you'd like to have Charlie say something on mic next time, please send your requests to us. At Twitter or Gmail is fine. But if you want Charlie to give you a nice Italian name, then uh, feel free to reach out. Mm. Well, we know I won't be doing that, apparently. <laughs> what was the name you gave? Billy. Billy. Billy Everyone the Italian. Billy, the classic Italian name. Yeah. What do we have coming up on Friday? Did we decide? I feel like we did, uh, but we I did. forgot. We have nice, uh, well, we have a spring ap- appropriate oh, um, yeah, mysteries yeah. coming on Friday. True, so, true. Yeah, um, because we can't stick to a time frame, as this episode proves. Um, we are rebranding. We have our mysteries every Friday and we have our full length episodes every Tuesday. Well, anyway, okay, we should end this. We should end this. So uh, to all our listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And have a great week, and we'll see you on Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 The year is 2013. Oh, okay. The year is 2013. Um, can you try again without yelling and then going quiet? <laughs> the year is 2013. Um, without it's... laughing at the beginning. I can try, I can retry. Um, the year is 2013. Flash 14. It's the summer. It's Sicily. <laughs> <laughs>